What I've been doing for a while is speaking to groups of people who teach at centre level and looking at what it means to be communicating in the Dharma and what they might need to help do it more effectively. So, as I recall it, the name of the project, Sikha, was your idea, Dhammarati, and uh, it's the same word as we use in the precepts, Sikha Padam Samadhyami, so Sikha means training. When I arrived to work for the International Council last year, one of the ideas in the air, that had been in the air for a long time, it had popped up at the International Council, it had been a conversation in the college, it had been a conversation at the European Chairs' Assembly, was to have some way of looking at how we are teaching and training in Tri Ratna. So how we're communicating the Dharma, basically, and how we're communicating by this presentation of the Dharma. There's a way of, of thinking about what we're doing in an integrated way that has both depth and breadth. And at the heart of that is the system of practice. So in an original lecture, I think in 1978, on the system of meditation, Bhante introduced these five dimensions or stages of the system of practice. It's integration, positive emotion, spiritual death, spiritual rebirth and receptivity. That later came to incorporate not just meditation, so we're not just talking about how metabhavana and mindfulness of breathing, for example, relate, but also ethics, friendship, altruism, like where does all of that, how does all of that fit into it? So there was a first move which was broadening it from a system of meditation to a system of practice, and really a system of practice that might incorporate all of the ways in which we will train our minds and our actions. And in 2009, in the, what is the Western Buddhist Order paper, there was a sort of, a second, quite fundamental shift in how that system of practice was understood. So in a way, the earlier one is that there's a sort of progressive path. First you do integration of positive emotion, and then that all of those dimensions of the system of practice should be present right from the start of a Dharma life. There are moments of lessening self-clinging, for example. For those people who've been ordained for 20 years, there's still a process of deepening integration and positive emotion. So there's a move to a mandala of the system of practice. Before I joined the order, maybe it says something about my personality, but the most interesting thing about joining the order is this kind of constant conversation about practice. Mm. I think there is just something about a scale of the mm. order and movement as it grows, that makes it more difficult for people to bump into each other and have those conversations than you might have in the very early days. Mm -hmm. It's necessary to create forums and platforms for these conversations. Mm -hmm. In any spiritual community, you've got this sort of really interesting question of, of relationship. On the one hand, an individual practitioner, you've got to find ways that support your own deepening experience. On the other hand, that the whole idea of the Buddhist tradition is that in a way we're coming in dialogue with and in a relationship with the Buddha's experience, in a dialogue with the people that we, we practice with, some of whose practice we're going to learn from. So in a sense, part of the nature of community is how do you support the communication, how do you support that shared framework of practice that lets us learn from each other's deepening experience. I think what the Sikha project is trying to do is to set up, to quote Bandi again, he's saying that a spiritual community needs a high degree of, of commonality of practice. 
And it's not that you're trying to impose something, you're just sort of saying that to the extent you've got a shared framework to practice, it becomes easier to communicate, it becomes easier to learn from each other. But the way Bhante puts it is that if that's there, it becomes possible for us to make progress together on, on the path. One of the most enjoyable parts of travelling around to different centres in the last couple of months have been just being in a room with a group of people who are communicating with Almorada Centre. And many of those people at the end of a day of, of talking together about the system of practice were just saying how lovely it is to sit down together and talk about the relationship between their own practice and teaching and communicating the Dharma. In fact, many people saying that was the most useful thing for them about it was to have a chance to spend the day together talking about the Dharma together. When we started thinking about the project, we got some help from Maitri Sara to think about kind of how to go about addressing what is a very kind of open-ended and ambitious objective, if you like, which is to strengthen our training. What we started off doing was what we called soundings, I think, or what I've ended up calling soundings, sort of like dropping a couple of questions into groups of people who have responsibility for various things in our training, like chairs or mitra conveners or private preceptors, different, different groups of people. What we're trying to do is to have conversations quite widely about what kind of things are going on, what is really working, what's effective, what kind of areas might you want to think a bit more about and learn from others about or share what you've done that you think is very helpful. And then try and find ways of bringing questions of principle and the Dharma and how we understand that into conversation. What I've been doing and what others have been doing for a while is visiting different centres and saying, first of all, particularly how do you understand and facilitate and what kind of concepts or ways in for uh, communicating spiritual death and rebirth at a centre level, which is the part of that communication which maybe hasn't been as developed over the last while as the integration of positive emotion dimension has been. So just quite quite open-ended questions like what are you doing? How do you understand this? What are you doing in terms of relationship, in terms of introducing kind of concepts at classes? What do you do in terms of meditation, reflection? So that was sort of half of the conversation and the other half was a bit like how do you help people to deepen their practice? Is it through a series of kind of courses and content, relationships, what kinds of classes, retreats, situations can you build in that help people to develop? All of these things in, in parallel, if you like. What we were trying to do was to get as wide a range as possible, not as a representative sample, but just as enough range that it would indicate for us some of the issues that are at the heart of that. Mexico City has a teaching cooler that works across the two centres, so they spent a day together talking about this. We did the same thing in Auckland and in Melbourne. So trying to get a range of international as well as kind of UK-based experience in that. Ratna Guna and I then spent a bit of time looking at this enormous volume of material that we generated in these conversations. They were recorded and we produced lots of flip charts and little interviews and all sorts of things. So, and there are a couple of observations really. The one is that we have really extraordinarily committed and dedicated people at centres. I just loved being around other order members who were doing that. Well, one of the things that struck me was particularly about the role of relationships in how you help people to deepen their understanding and practice. And lots and lots of ways we do things, conversations about becoming mitras and that kind of process of moving from 
isolation into a kind of richer and richer way of relating mm. that shows the limitations of self-view and kind mm. of misunderstandings about how the world works. The places or the situations, whatever their scale, that had the greatest vitality were situations in which somehow the vision of the Dharma was somehow really present right from the beginning. There are different ways of expressing it, so a vision of limitless consciousness might be one language for it. A vision of transformation of the community or the society into a kind of pure land of ethical and altruistic action. There's all sorts of ways of expressing the vision of the Dharma, but where the moment of perfect vision is somehow dynamically present, when people are capable of being in ways that seem just larger and more free and more connected and more real, that has a huge effect. So there's something about giving confidence that people who are coming into situations can respond to and that there's a, a real set of methods by which they can make progress in that or a dimension of an experience of complete love that's unhindered where you have that sense of vision, whatever the language of that vision is, whatever the root metaphor of that vision is, there's something going on in those places. One of the things that I was asking in those in those conversations is, what would you like to do in situ here, like at your center? But what I was also asking them was, what would you find helpful that we as a sicker project can do? And there were a couple of things that came out consistently. The one was around materials. So how is it that people are doing that kind of communication of vision in ways that are effective and that we can have confidence in that are a bit tried and tested? And the other one was uh, a real request for, particularly in the smaller centres, for senior order members to be a little bit more available and visible, available publicly at centres, but also things like a, a kind of online question and answer from the college, for example. So what we then did was invited a group of very experienced teachers who we could see were doing things that were effective together in what we call the Dharma Kata or Dharma Gathering to just look at what we've been finding and see if we could start thinking about responses to what the centre had been asking for. It's probably worth saying one other thing about what was happening, what the centres were noticing, which is that it's quite possible at some point in the past where a lot of the materials for centre teaching has been developed, the people who are coming along to centres didn't have much exposure to Buddhism. And that's changed quite a lot, both through the mindfulness movement and there are so many resources from books to internet sites. So that's the other element is to sort of think about like not just what are we teaching but who are we teaching and therefore how. So we had the first of these Dhammakatas envisioned to be the first of a whole series of meetings over the next couple of years. And what we decided to do was to start right at the beginning, start with like people who are coming into the centres for the first time. What's the first kind of horizon of teaching we might look at? And it's probably worth saying that we ended up with quite a small group in this first Dhammakata, largely as a scheduling issue, though it's clear that a number of others will be joining that group as we go ahead. So what we've really come out with the first, if you like, things that we're offering out of this project is uh, what we're calling the package, which has two dimensions. The first is that we want to share more widely in really accessible forms some of what is clearly working in terms of introductory material that do take spiritual death and rebirth seriously and have a way of expressing vision. 
So the first thing is that the courses that have been developed in Sheffield that have proven to be very successful. There are two introductory courses. The first one, which really is based on the Lakshanas and ethics, and the second, which is an introduction to the Eightfold Path. And the kind of model of the Sheffield courses is not just the content of the material, but the structures of how you get the groups together, how you transition between one course and the next course, how discussion groups and meditation and Dharma teaching go together. So it's a bit of a package. So we're kind of, in a way, coming out of that first meeting with a recommendation that this is something worth looking at and really engaging with the centre teachers. What we're going to be doing is generating a whole set of background materials, the course materials, plus a whole set of videos as a basis from which to work. And then people can take that and adapt it into the environments that they want to. But the key part of that is to really have Lakshana and reflection-based introductory material And the other one we're recommending is Maitre Bandi's Journey in the Guide. But in the same way, what we're going to do is produce a whole lot of background materials that will help people to adapt that to the context and translate that. So very detailed teacher's notes. The thing that's so great about Maitre Bandi's book is that it is so vernacular. It's rests so directly to the audience, but actually people are using that in Mexico City. I tried to use it in Johannesburg, and I uh, thought it would be <coughs> difficult to use examples of public transport when there wasn't any, for example, yes. as sources of Dukkha. So one part of it is we're saying, actually, here's some material. It's already had some miles behind it. It's yeah. being used, but we're trying to make it travel, basically. We're trying to make it accessible and adaptable. And the second thing that we're doing is going to offer a whole series for the first time next year of teacher training that will be based at Adishtana and London and Manchester. So one will be an emerging teacher sort of retreat based here, which will be for people who are possibly newly ordained or haven't been teaching very much and want to do a bit more teaching. And the second one is seeing if it's possible to get whole centre teaching teams or a couple of people from different centres to come together to talk about the content based on the Sheffield model, but also just models of working together at centres. Because one of the things that's most striking is that people coming into a centre, what they're seeing is not just the teaching of the Dharma, they're seeing how people work together and how people are together, and the visibility of the Sangha is a fundamental part of the teaching of the Dharma. And then the last part of that teacher training is going to be a similar kind of training offered at the LBC and at Manchester, where more experienced teachers can come in and do live teaching in classes and have skilled and constructive feedback around their teaching. So that thing of like, how do you relate your own practice to being a teacher? We're very aware that a lot of people will never be able to get to Adishtana People are teaching in all parts of the world, in all sorts of different contexts, in different languages. So we're trying as much as we can to build in ways in which what we do travels well or can be accessed so that we can offer support to people in a wide range of areas. So Ratnaguna has got a great deal of experience in teacher training and he's been working not just directly with people, but he's also looking at ways of supporting people online from afar and giving feedback and mentoring about their teaching. So at the moment we've got the sort of in-person at Adishtana where we could gather people together from all over. We've got Ratnaguna travelling and leading teacher training and doing sort of online mentoring. Next Horizon would be teacher training retreats in other places where people can also do train-the-trainer things and get more people who'd be able to support. The thing that the International Council as a group is most interested in was teacher training. 
sharing resources, developing networks of Kalyana Mitrata between teachers and getting some skills and support in it. So what format that takes, in a way we can't answer, it'd be really, really good to have that discussion at the International Council. There's another thing that's been developing with Karuna Gita and Amara Gita and their colleague Joy McKeith, which has been called the Practice Lotus. It's a fascinating project. It's trying, in a way, to map a process of spiritual development in breadth and depth as a way of helping conversations between people about practice in its various dimensions. Like to really, really ask precise questions that open up kind of what really is going on in practice in a number of dimensions. The practice focus and ability sort of more precise conversations and I think it was going through my mind was insight and inquiry. Again it seems another good example of something that's been developing over the last few years where you're taking quite a core element of Dharma practice, you know, reflection on, on the Lakshana's reflection on Anatta. And people have been sort of exploring ways of taking attention to that in dialogue with more experienced practitioners. That's obviously been helpful and fed into the individual reflective practice. I think there's an enormous value in the understanding of the spiritual life having both the horizontal and the vertical dimension mention in that way, being connected with greater experience or insight does a certain thing and being connected with friends in a community of practice does a certain set of things and both are absolutely necessary. One of the things that kept coming up both in the soundings and in those conversations at centres, there's a whole series of areas around meditation that people have said that they'd like a chance to talk more about. The one is about resources or resourcefulness in leading meditation at centres, how to go a little bit deeper with those practices how to do practice reviews, all of those areas where people thought that actually they could do with some help. Another area is that people are beginning to do a bit more experimenting with Lakshana's indirect experience in meditation, which is not something that we've done a lot of before. There's a sort of real question of how does retreat-based meditation experience relate to centre-based meditation teaching, how to draw those a bit more closely together, and how to get more skilled meditation teachers just to support people. The third part is to bring together meditation teachers who tend to work on their own because they're leading retreats. So how much conversation is there between our quite influential retreat leaders with each other and with people at centres? So there's one last kind of horizon of the Zika project, which we're working on at the moment, which is really just to find out a bit more about order practice what people are actually doing, what inspires them, what is helpful and effective in their own view, what kind of order life are they leading, and also what more do people want in terms of whether it's retreats or study or help with particular areas of their practice. So at the moment we're busy developing, again with Karuna Gita and myself and the order office team, a kind of survey that will be Hopefully we'll be able to do before the end of the year. We can't get the whole order into a room together to talk a little bit about practice. We're just too geographically spread. So this is one of the ways in which we can try and have a process that allows the order to reflect on itself collectively. I keep coming up against this idea that like some other order member somewhere else is the real order member and I'm not quite the right order member. And the sort of view somehow that someone somewhere else is doing it right and I'm doing it wrong can be really undermining mm -hmm. uh, if there's a sort of sense that, I don't know,
like the arts or meditation or faith or something else should be at the heart of your order practice, but actually the nature of your practice is something else, you know, like you've got a particular way in. So there's something about understanding breadth in an order context that's also really important, I think, for our confidence as an order, that there are so many doorways to the Dharma. And the main thing is that we're going through the Dharma door and that we're in conversation and that we're helping each other to go through the Dharma doors. That seems to me to be a really important part of confidence in our system of practice. I mean, in a way, I think we're not at the point yet where many other people will yet see the value of this project. We're only just beginning to develop things out of the conversation. So the main thing so far has been the value in having the conversations, to have explicit, open, exploratory, positive mutually enabling conversations about what is absolutely at the heart of what we're doing with our lives. It's just really, really striking. Like Everybody I meet who's in the order is deeply committed to their practice and to truth and to sharing that. So there's sort of something, so my, fundamentally I, I have a great deal of confidence in the order that comes out of this. It's just been a bit like, I don't know, dip me in chocolate and throw me to the order. It's been a lovely kind of immersion where I've just understood a bit more clearly personally about what it is that we're doing, like what it is that we're doing together.